Hey, Anna, remember that time Bedlam Asylum was so bad that they named Chaos after it? Remember That Time, and historical podcast. I am your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all of their favorite moments in history, and it continues to be spooky month it's here on Remember That Time. almost Halloween, baby. Ooh, ghosts and ghouls and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> this year, I feel like I've already celebrated Halloween like four times. Same. This month has felt eternal. <laughs> yeah. But then at the same time, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that like, next week is november like that it's mm-hmm. bonkers. oh yeah i was i was prepping stuff for next week for school and i was like picking out halloween activities and stuff and i was like oh my god i can't believe it's already time to be doing this <laughs> yeah and i've been working on like my holiday schedule at work because i work in retail which means it's already holiday basically uh-huh. <laughs> so i've been like working on that all week and it's just been like i feel like Christmas is tomorrow and I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, which is fully not true, but no, wow. But that's how I feel. But it is still spooky season, so. Yes, it is. And we love it. We love it here on this podcast. So much. And this week we're going to talk about Bedlam Asylum, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, content warning here at the top. We're going to talk a lot about uh, mental illness. We're going to talk a lot about mental illness treatments from the past, most of which were uh not good horrendous (laughs) yeah pretty terrible so if that is something that you do not like to listen to letting you know right off the top that that will be most of our discussion in this episode Mm -hmm. good point well would you like a drink update before we get into it i would yes i'm having some white wine Ooh, lovely my wine box came yesterday so i had a plethora of choices from blue apron (laughs) and i chose white wine Love today. that. We're not sponsored. It's a <laughs> Sauvignon Blanc. Lovely. It's tasty. I wish we were sponsored. <laughs> uh, Blue Apron, we love your services. I know, right? You sponsor every other podcast. That's how I heard about you in the first place. Yeah, for real. Hit a girl up. I'm drinking water, though, <laughs> is the thing about it. Wow. Always. 24/7. I am so shocked and surprised. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we get into it? Let's shall. There is so much stuff to talk about. (laughs) Okay. With Bedlam. Uh, Firstly, it's not called Bedlam. It's not the real name of the place. Um, But we will get into that as we go along. Right. Yes. All right. So in 1247, the Bishop-elect of Bethlehem. Let's see if I can do this. Gifredo de, de Perfetti? Sure. Perfetti? Sure. He's Italian. I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> he establishes the Priory of St. Mary of Bethlehem on a piece of land just outside of London's walls that had been donated by former London Sheriff Simon Fitzmary. That one was much easier. Than the yes, other. it was. And so will be most of the rest of them. Well, I don't think English. I'm going to have any more Italians. Most of the other names are English. So Yes. Um, it is not originally built as a hospital. 
but it's built as a center to collect alms for the Crusades because it was 1247. Right. I was just, just about to say. Paint. <laughs> <laughs> we are all the way in it right now, baby. Yes, we sure are. Um, it did sometimes function as a quote unquote hospital, but the <clears throat> meaning of hospital then was just an institution supported by charity or taxes for care of the needy. Right. Which basically just meant that they housed poor people. Right. And they served as housing for bishops and other church officials when they were visiting Bethlehem. So it was before there was any um, medical or clinical association with the word. It was technically a hospital, meaning just hospitality. I'm sorry. I'm Googling hospital word origin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just wanted to see it broken down. Fair enough. The Latin uh, just says the forms. It doesn't tell me what the original, whatever. Forget it. Mm. This was pointless. <laughs> Keep going. All right. Um, right. I'm, I'm not going to go super deep into all of its history because it has lots of really like long portions of history that can be sort of summed up uh, by... I don't know, just periods of what was happening there. Sure. Um, I could go into really deep detail, but then we would go like really deep and we would probably never get out. <laughs> <laughs> right. For some of it. So well, let's just get to the bits of why we know about it, I guess. Yes. Is what we're yes. saying. That is what we're saying. Yes. Right. Um, throughout the 13 and 1400s, control of the hospital slowly shifted away from the church and towards the state. Um, there were just lots of disputes, uh, as the Crusades ended and the people who were in charge of it and it function it functioned more and more as what we now know of as a hospital as it continued to function. So just the needs shifted, so the sure. control shifted. Uh, by 1547, uh, custody, order, and governance of the hospital is officially given to the state. So it had been sort of in between for several years there, but by 1547, it is officially... Uh, given to the state to the crown they are in charge of it now and then it broke bad Uh uh-huh very much very much so uh like i was saying sometime during this transition are the early records of the hospital housing the quote-unquote insane uh they slowly stop housing just the poor in general and start housing and treating specifically people who are categorized as insane in that Mm -hmm. in those communities which by the way is not a term that i use now no um i just want to make that clear this is like we're not using that term as like calling someone that Yes. It's just how I'm, they people were categorized back in the day. Yes. We will be hearing insane and lunatic quite a lot uh, in this conversation, which are right. words that we don't really use to categorize people with mental illnesses anymore. Um, I, but, I'm not a doctor, but I think that the term that's generally used now is psychopathy, and like it's usually on a scale, right? Like some mm-hmm. form of psychopathy. Right. And then, well, of course, and, and then, of course, mentally ill as a general... Yes. Well, and lunatic, insane, mad, all of those words were super general words that encompassed, like, all kinds of stuff, many of which isn't actually a mental illness at all. Right. And also, now the connotations around those words are negative because of places like this. Correct. So. Yes. Well, and just because of the way society treated people that they didn't understand. Right. You know? Anyway. I think a lot of these early patients were, like, 
um, people with epilepsy, people yeah. with learning disabilities, like oh, yeah. things that we currently wouldn't think of as mental illnesses. I'm sure we'll talk it, about it more. Exactly. Yeah. Like that kind but, of yeah. stuff that we wouldn't think of as a mental illness. That's what a, a lot of these really early patients when, are. When they said things like insane back then, they really did mean just that society did not know what to do with. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a very, it was a catch all. Yep. Yep. Um, during this time is also when the name Bedlam develops because it came, it was in a place called Bethlehem, <clears throat> which was often shortened to Bethlehem in casual conversation. Uh, colloquially, that gets referred to a lot as Bedlam or Bedlam, and then that becomes Bedlam over time. So it was just like accents, colloquial, uh, references to it shorthand for it eventually it develops into be calling being called bedlam right um so most of the rest of the episode i will probably refer to it either as bethlam or bedlam uh because that's what it is more commonly known known as from now on Mm -hmm. uh and then the word bedlam from approximately the jacobean era the word enters everyday speech to signify a state of madness, chaos, and the irrational nature of the world. So around this time, there were a bunch of plays that were being set mm-hmm. at Bedlam. Um, and as those were popularized, the, the, you know, the moral of the story for a lot of those was like using Bedlam as a, uh, metaphor for the madness of the world around us or whatever and it just became a word for chaos from from i use it on yeah it's bedlam out there i i like that is so interesting to me not just that we didn't have the word before but that it developed from the word bethlehem that's really interesting to me yes that's where it came from you could dig all kind of like (laughs) lots of symbolism from that yeah i find that because yeah i'm I'm like i'm less floored by like new words because right i've been reading shakespeare for a long time (laughs) yeah shakespeare invented a lot of words it you know we invent words all the time yes we do every day so that i is not as weird to me but yeah there's there's certainly some you could you could write an interesting story based on that fact Yes. Well, and it's also like, you know, we do invent words all the time. I I don't know how often we invent words from place names that Um, end up being meaning things like that, this. And it's just interesting because like you would think that we would have chosen the word asylum to go along to talk about but that doesn't sound right no it doesn't but we picked the the title of an asylum and that's interesting to me you know what i mean of a specific Mm -hmm. asylum Mm -hmm. just find that fascinating well yeah so after the state takes control of bedlam the city is now in charge of appointing keepers of the asylum which are basically just the managers the people in charge of the asylum uh, this position is usually given to someone as like some kind of reward uh, for their loyalty or their place in society or whatever. Congratulations. Um, you now get to run this huge place with people that you don't know anything about. all the time. I know. It's crazy. gave people properties like that and were like, it's an honor. And they were like, I don't know what I'm doing. But and now I like, have doesn't to. doesn't matter. Now I have to pay taxes on it and take care of it. What's wrong yeah. with you people? Yeah. 
Um, you couldn't have just given me a medal or something? And because they were given these positions, nobody had any qualifications to no. run a place like this. Like, at least when it was owned by the church, it was still a charitable organization. And even though they are always great about caring for mentally ill people, at least they understand how to run charities. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. There was something there, um, but now these nobody who gets yeah, this it's position not like, is qualified for it's it. It's not like it's a house, like yeah. a country house that they're bestowing upon them, mm-hmm. right? Like, here is your house well, and lands a, for your it's accomplishment. It's a title thing, too. It's like, ah, oh, yes, you're the keeper of... Right, of, but like, the, yeah. make them a lord of something and give them some land. This is not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just that thing where it's like, well, the crown awards people with things and we're in charge of the city and that, you know, like, so we award, you know, it's like a, yeah, a we, modeling. Yes, totally. Like, we're going to yeah. do what the queen does, but on a local scale. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because these people don't know what they're doing and are not uh, qualified to hold these positions, they often use this position just to profit off of the poor. Well, yeah. So keepers are paid partially from the hospital funds, but largely from the families of patients, which means that the keepers were usually the people to negotiate the amount paid by patients. Oh, God. They like they made that decision. Also, I've been calling them patients up to this point. They did not call them patients. They would they probably were have just been like prisoners. Oh, I was going to say residents. No, but no, that's not very even residents. different. <laughs> yeah, they were usually called prisoners because a lot of the times these people were criminals. Like they committed some kind of crime. They assumed that they had some sort of mental illness, so they took them to an institution like this. Like that was just the reality of the situation. I need to stop wearing my Apple Watch while we're recording because Siri always thinks I'm talking to her. I don't know. <laughs> I do it all the time. Anyway, I do that all the time. I took it off. Continue. Um, most of these keepers spend very little time actually at the asylum. They're not, they, you know, hire a staff and they just tell the staff to do it. And that's and how it is. And then they make their money. Um, yes. And this position changes hands for several years. This is another period where we have, um, they, they're usually referred to as like the old style keepers or something like that. And they, they, lots of different people held this position. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1598, the Birdwell governors, which are a part of the, like, Birdwell-Bethlehem governors. There's a court of governors that sure. are over British. these cities or British. Yeah, British. <laughs> um, uh, the Birdwell governors conduct the first assessment of the hospital in over 40 years. Cool. It's a good amount of time to go between assessments for a place that's meant to care for people. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's good. Obviously, they find the building in disrepair. And the patient's not adequately cared for. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They find, when they take the census, they find 21 patients. Most of them have been there anywhere from 8 to 25 years. It was something, I think the thing I was reading said, like, only two of them had been admitted in the last 12 months. The rest of them were as few as 8 and as much as 25 years had had been in this building, um, in the care of this building. Uh, the building originally had been built on top of a sewer cool. that regularly overflows. Of course. Uh, so, and no one enforces or provides really any kind of hygiene for the patients. So sure. they are living in filth most of the time. Uh, yep. Many of them were found close to starving because of the, quote, lowering diet they were mm-hmm. kept on. 
Which basically just meant that they fed them like really plain food and not a lot of food because they believed that that was a treatment (laughs) for some. I mean, uh, here's the thing. No, they didn't. There are a lot of things that they believed were treatments. They did not believe that this was a treatment. You cannot convince me that they believed that starving their patients was a treatment because what I see is this is how we save money. There are other things that I I will grant you they believed were actual treatments. But this one, no, you can't convince me. This is a thing they made up and then they called it a treatment to justify it. There's a name of this theory i don't know it but there's a name of this theory it's not this but it all goes back to we just don't want to spend our money and waste our food on these people that we don't know what to do with that's what it comes back to the theory and this it's not this is not a treatment and they i don't believe that anyone ever actually considered it one i just think they were like well we'll call it a treatment but the gist is that we just are not gonna feed them yeah um, because the, then we don't have to deal with them because then they're weak and they don't need uh, like they're not going to be asking us all the time to care for them because right. they're weak. Therefore, we don't have to think about it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, the the theory says that eating plain foods, not eating like rich, indulgent foods and frequent purging, which it, it, they, that is a thing. They think that getting stuff out of your body gets the illness out of your body yes now that ridiculous is a separate thing that yes i know Um, about but that's where that that's what they claim for that but the truth is they just didn't want to feed people yes you know in 1643 they changed the management from a keeper to a or a keeper that has like a a small staff to uh, a medical staff of a non-resident physician, a visiting surgeon, and an apothecary. So those are the Whoa. three people in charge concept. of the hospital. Yes. What a concept. Um, and it's also around this time that they do actually start referring to the people there as patients. It actually transitions into functioning. Like, this is when the study of mental illness starts getting very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and smaller asylums uh, are being... like smaller um, like more localized private asylums yeah yeah, are being developed in lots of places um lots of physicians use that for like their sort of side business you know like those kinds of smaller institutions they moonlight yeah 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 um because most of them couldn't make enough money just doing something like this that they also have to have their private practice and for a lot of them their private practice was a smaller private Mm -hmm. asylum um but it does actually take a more medical turn now because that quote-unquote medicine is being studied now right right uh this staff is appointed by the board of governors and they are salaried so that helps to prevent the exploitation of the patients and their families monetary exploitation (laughs) yes yes the staff is salaried so they don't get to make any decisions about what people pay Mm mm-hmm uh, although there are still, you know, political connections involved with the imp- appointments, all the appointees from now on do have, like, actual medical accreditation. Many of them are members of the Royal College of Physicians. So it's like they are hiring doctors now <laughs> to do jobs of doctors. About time. A novel concept. A uh, little jump ahead, but in 1728, 
James Monroe is elected as the head physician. And this begins a 125-year Monroe family dynasty where four generations of fathers and sons hold the position of physician at the asylum. That seems super problematic to me in a lot of ways. It super is. It super is. I hate it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So all of that so far, that very long history, has been in their first building. The right. original building just outside of the walls of London. On top of a sewer. On top of a sewer. System. Mm-hmm. Yes. In 1674, the Court of Governors decide that the hospital is very old, falling yep. apart, mm-hmm. and it's too small to currently accommodate right. the patients. And because this is a more popular medical practice now, they are admitting more, more people. People, yes. They decide to move the hospital to Moorfields, which is a large open space in London. Uh, the city surveyor, Robert Hook, is chosen as the architect for the new building. It's built very quickly. So they decide to have a new building in 1674, and it's built between 1675 and 1676. Uh, and it's a, it's a big building. Okay. It's a big building. Um, Hook's design is inspired by Louis XIV's palace. Oh, we are just, a, a lot of things are happening that are giving yes. me very negative visceral reactions. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, I liked this quote, functioning as both advertisement and warning of what lay within. Yeah. The stone pillars enclosing the entrance gates were capped by the figures of melancholy and raving madness carved in Portland stone by the Danish-born sculptor Cassius Gabriel Kipper. Um, <laughs> it's look just... up these statues. They are terrifying to look at. I don't it, like them. It's just, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm not doing super well. I need to go to a place where I think that I I think that I could maybe be healed or cared for in a way that could be comforting. Oh look, I've arrived. What is that? <laughs> mm, I think I yes. might be in the wrong place. <laughs> um it was it was commonly um, thought that melancholy yikes. Yeah, it, that melancholy, melancholy and raving madness were like the two extremes of mel- mental illness. So those were the images that were chosen. The raving madness one yeah, it's is bad. rough. Like the melancholy one, okay, you know, it's like, it's not great, but it's like, all right, you know, it's just like a, it looks like a baby. Um, yeah. The other one is like, it looks like a melting baby. Oh, yeah. And it's like in chains. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad stuff. that's rough. Yeah. Um, And at at this time, this is the only building in London that looks like this. That is like a grand palace. That's like what it looks like. Actually, the the shape of it and the images of it, it looks kind of similar to the uh, Weston Trans-Allegheny Asylum. um, Which Sis and I have been to several times. It's in our home state. Yeah. uh, West Virginia. When I was reading about it, that's what I kept imagining because the shape is very similar. Yeah, it's big. It's big. It's really big. It's like stressing me out. I have to stop looking at these statues. They're stressing me out. They're stressing yeah, me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
At first, only half of the building is actually designed to hold patients. Uh, This quote says, accommodating initially for 120 patients, having cells and chambers on only one side of the building facilitated the dimensions of the great galleries, which were essentially long corridors, which ran the length of both floors. The galleries were constructed more for public display than for care of patients, as at least initially inmates were prohibited from them, lest quote, such persons that come to see the said lunatics may go in danger of their lives. Uh, okay, so they have half the building as, like, a viewing gallery? More or less. For what? Like, do they, like, what are they looking at? That's We're my gonna question. We're going to get into that. We're oh, going to get into that in okay, a moment. Okay, great. Don't worry. I Don't can't, worry. I can't, I simply cannot wait. <laughs> Here's the other thing about this building. Because they built it so fast, and because it was so big, it starts falling apart almost immediately. Of course. Uh, Here's another quote that I I think summed it up really well. The interior and reality of the hospital, (laughs) though. So sorry, that's so funny. Was altogether different. Because the ornate facade was so heavy, it immediately cracked in the back. Whenever it rained, the walls ran with water. And... As the hospital was built on the rubble next to the city's Roman wall, it didn't even have a proper foundation. Oh, my God. It was so, so heavy and poorly destru- destructed that it started falling apart immediately. Oh, my God. Uh, why are we talking about this? I'm so stressed. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, here. Here. The, well, let's get into this. Okay. Um. Bedlam is probably most famous for the fact that it allowed pub- the public to visit the asylum and view the patients. I so you're hate asking this. what those halls were for? It was for public viewing. I hate this. Yeah. Uh, in the very early days of the hospital, only family members and friends are allowed to vis- visit the patients, obviously. Uh, yeah. Uh, there is some evidence of the public visiting as early as 1598. Uh, the first seemingly like definitive documentation of public visiting comes from a 1610 record that details Lord Percy's payment of 10 shillings to visit the asylum. Uh, There's evidence that the number of visitors rose following the move to Moorfields. And uh, there's some observations from the Birdwell or Bridwell governors in 1681 of the great quantity of persons that come to see the said lunatics, that daily come to see the said lunatics. There have been some records that it pulled in 96,000 viewers (gasps) annually, but most people think that that's an exaggeration. Yeah, Uh, I would think so. But, like, there's records of people visiting in huge numbers on public holidays, and it soon becomes, like, basically a London tourist attraction. Like, you would go see the Tower of London and London Bridge, and then you would go to Bedlam. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's bad. It's ridiculous. So, it's a zoo. Yeah, basically. For people. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. Like, we go to asylums now because they're historical landmarks and people don't live in them and people are Uh not being treated in them. Yes. Like, now, having Bedlam be on your list of things to see in London makes sense. It's a thing I want to learn about. 
you know, it's historical. But no. Not while there's people there being treated. Yeah. Medically treated. Yes. You don't do this at a hospital where people are, like, getting surgery for their broken legs. Or cancer treatment or whatever. This is off the charts absurd. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The governors invite, quote, people of quality and note to visit. And all of this is basically a way for the governors to raise money for the hospital. Uh. People viewed their visits and donations as charitable acts. Of course they did. Um, It was like giving alms, you know, like that's how they saw it. And so they allowed people in because it made money for the hospital. It's one thing to say, come tour our facilities. See what we do here, right? Like people do that with like new hospitals, right? Like this is is a place where we treat X, Y, and Z. Let me show you the the facilities. Mm -hmm. You can pay to do that to help us raise, like as a fundraiser come and see our facilities mm-hmm. not while there are patients there yeah <laughs> that's yep <sighs> and i know or it's like, just only about to get worse so and, or like <laughs> inviting donors to come see your facilities right, even when right, there's patients right. there so that they will donate but not just like the public coming in and like basically pay- buying tickets to go walk through this place uh, yeah uh, from 1770, free public access ends with the introduction of a system where visitors have to have a ticket signed by a governor to be able to go in. So they can't just, they can't just tour it anymore. Okay, so, but then what are the, uh, what... Do I do I have to qualify certain ways in order to receive this ticket, or do I, I just so. have to go to a governor and say I want to go and they sign? The no, ticket? I think you have to qualify in certain ways because okay. this was also paired with some other bill or act about the the treatment protecting of, the patients. Sure, yes. um, it was like around the same time that these two things Got occurred it. at a similar time because there were tons and tons of reports of the of the bedlam patients being abused while people were there um this quote says including being poked with sticks by visitors or otherwise taunted given drinks and physically assaulted or sexually harassed but it's uh curtailment removed an important an important element of public oversight so in the period after public viewing closed the staff practices had less public scrutiny and so most of the worst patient abuses occurred after the public was not allowed to view it anymore what a mess yeah it's bad oh it is bedlam it's a mess already yeah hence hence the the connotation oh yeah i'm so (laughs) covering my face i'm so stressed out Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) yeah it is wild it's wild wow so, by the end of the 1700s, the building at Moorfield is falling apart. It's really not that old. It's a little over 100 years old at this well, point. Well, it started falling apart right away. So. As soon as it was built. So, of course, it's falling apart. I can't imagine what it looks like 100 years later. Yeah. Uh, because they are no longer earning money from public visitation, they don't have the funds necessary to properly repair and upkeep the building. So the governors decide in 1803 that they need to build a new building on a new site where they can, like, have an actual good foundation 
and mm, what a weird thought running facilities this place was so expensive to build it's so expensive to upkeep and it's completely falling apart so they just don't have the money they just need to start over right uh they begin fundraising and looking for a new location and they have to do that you know for several years in 1810 the city grants them a portion of saint george's fields which is in the southern part of london mm-hmm. uh the new building is completed in 1815 during that period of rebuilding when they were deciding to make a new building and working on on making it patients were still living at the decrepit building in moorfield right well uh, where else would they be living they had started transferring some patients to other hospitals um yeah because huge portions of the building had to be closed because they weren't livable but it's also like popular at this time to put people in facilities like this because you don't know what to do with them like it's pop so i can only imagine that they're getting more and more people. Well, there are more options now than there had been previously. And True. there are lots of different places who are trying different theories. So people are, this is more I'm sorry, like I just going mean from like, place to place. I just mean like other places are probably also filling up. So they oh, yeah, probably, probably don't yeah, yeah. have enough room for the people who are already in Bedlam mm-hmm. to move them to other places. Like they couldn't move everyone. Yeah, no, they couldn't. They so could where else would they go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they were just living in this terrible, broken building. Um, in 1814, Edward Wakefield, a Quaker and advocate for a new form of treatment for mental patients, uh, visits the old Moorfield building and refl- reports on the conditions there. Uh, his his theory and the Quakers theory, there was like a really popular Quaker asylum also in England, mm-hmm. um, was basically re-education and re-entry into society. They didn't want to try like physical fixes for these things. They were trying to do like behavior management with them basically and help them re-enter society. Which is what a novel concept. Much closer to the way that <laughs> right. we do it now. Still right. not perfect, but well, well, much closer no. to the way we do it now. But medicine was not that advanced still. So, yes. you know, it, out of the options, mm-hmm. certainly the most logical. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and his reports eventually lead to a parliamentary, parliamentary inquiry on the treatment of patients. So this is where I wanted to do a quick pause and talk about some of the the ways we uh, we tried to cure mental illness. It's I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tense up in anticipation. Okay. Yes. Um, there's something called rotational therapy, where a patient would be placed in a chair and suspended from the ceiling. What? Uh, uh, what? The chair was then spun at the direction of a doctor, sometimes more than a hundred rotations a minute. The patient would often vomit and experience extreme vertigo, but these well, were seen yeah. as healthy reactions with the potential for healing because it's getting all of that stuff out of your body. Um, no, they're just physical reactions yes. <laughs> to being yes. spun around repeatedly. I used to stand and spin around when I was a child and felt like throwing up. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, hydrotherapy is very Ooh, popular. Yes. Very popular. And of all of these, not horrible. Not great. Depending not on horrible. how it's 
executed. Yeah. Usually it, it involved dunking people into ice cold baths to attempt to shock the system or but dunking also, people like, in and out of hot and cold baths to shock the system, which but we also, now know is not great for you. They also like wouldn't have known like there are so many physical ailments that these people could have had that they didn't know about that that mm-hmm. could literally kill them, mm-hmm. you know? So still not excellent. No, no. Um, but but a very popular treatment. Also not time. effective. Like what does that do? It shocks, it puts your body into shock. That does nothing for mm-hmm. your brain except weaken it. Yeah. Hydrotherapy is super interesting because it was also widely of used by doctors outside of asylums Mm -hmm. for them treating like other people's just like other problems right like uh charles darwin did some hydrotherapy oh charles darwin isn't that interesting other is charles darwin is that who i'm thinking of i don't know is it i think so i was in i was in a movie i was watching about him oh (laughs) um but there's like a portion of it where he goes to hydrotherapy uh bloodletting via leeches which again, like cumbi- for glass what? cupping therapy, also uh, is I popular. Mean, again, for what? What does it accomplish? Uh, patients are often also beaten and starved. Again, Ugh. just terrible treatment. Uh, I looked. I could not find whether or not they used lobotomy. Hmm. Um, I think it was a later practice. Yeah, I'm not sure when that became popular, but I would say later. Um, it was. I also know that lobotomy was really popular in America. Um, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. Um. So I'm not totally sure. Okay. I couldn't find anything specific. The year that what the guy won the Nobel Peace Prize for inventing it, which uh, that like that's a, a wild thing to happen um that was in 1949 yes so much later yeah i thought i thought it was a later practice because the the asylum the trans allegheny lunatic asylum here uh that was a popular practice there and it was a it's a more recent it didn't last terribly long though either because they sort of fell out of popularity like in the 50s yes so it wasn't it didn't yeah. last terribly long because quickly people were like, that guy won a Nobel Peace Prize for what now? That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was another Do you ever uh, think about that? Treatment. That guy won a Nobel Peace Prize for inventing a form of torture. Do you ever yeah. think about that? That is okay. wild. That is wild. Um, but yeah, that's those are the things I could find that were recorded that were the types of treatments that they used there. I'm sure there were others. Just based on their their general treatment of patients. The other thing at Bedlam uh, was that they often chained up patients who were violent, um, but they would leave them like that for a really long time. So this is a quote from Wakefield's account of his visit about James Norris, who was an American marine reported to be 55 years of age who had been detained in bethlehem since uh february 1st of 1800 so he was housed in the incurable wing of the hospital 
Norris had been continuously restrained for about a decade in oh a harness apparatus which severe, severely restricted his movement. Wakefield, and I'm sorry, he was 55 when this guy f- discovered this about seems him. Seems so, yes. Oh my god. Uh, Wakefield stated that a stout iron ring was riveted about his neck from oh. which a short chain passed to a ring made to slide up and down on an upright massive iron bar more than six feet high inserted into a wall. Like uh, so that he could stand and sit. Uh-huh. Ugh. Round his body was a strong iron bar about two inches wide. Uh, it was riveted. On each side of the bar was a circular projection which had been fastened to and enclosed each of his arms, which pinned them oh. to his side. Uh, this waist bar was secured by two similar iron bars which, passing over his shoulders, were riveted to the waist, both before and behind him. Uh, the iron ring about his neck was connected to the bars on his shoulders by a double link. From each of these bars, another short chain passed to the ring on the upright bar. So basically all he could do was stand up and down. And sit down. Uh-huh. It was like oh. an iron straitjacket, basically. Uh, and he had remained thus encaged and chained for more than 12 years. Uh and that was pretty uh, common. That was a common uh, restraining that they used. And there's I, like... I don't... I, I, like, I can't even react to it. I'm yeah. so... There are, there are a couple of pretty famous um, like engraving drawings of this patient. If you look up like oh. Bedlam James Norris, you, you'll find the, the image that I'm talking about. It's pretty famous and you can get a pretty good... Um, idea of what that description actually means but yeah basically he was just chained up and all he could do was stand up and down and Ugh. that was what they that was how they restrained people deemed violent uh, uh, that's just awful and the more you sit and think about like what that really means mm-hmm. right like he can't he's he can't leave to go to the bathroom yeah if he's eating he's certainly has someone else feeding him mm-hmm. because he can't lift his arms. Yeah. You know, he can't really lay down because no. there's a bar behind him. Uh-huh. And he'd likely choke if he tried. It's just that. Uh, yeah. That's that. Like all of the, the like therapies and other garbage that they tried are terrible. That really. And like, it's it, bad. Think about what it does to your you physically first of all he's aging so his body is physically already getting weaker like mm-hmm. even if he were just a person walking around like normal mm-hmm. and then on top of that he's not walking around so all of his muscles are no longer developing or working properly mm-hmm. so imagine how physically weak he is uh, and for for more than 12 years yeah i mean like doing it for a month is would damage you beyond repair right like that's (sighs) it's possible though it doesn't seem like it from the the report that he you know was unchained to move around outside every once in a while but it doesn't seem like it from that report even so it can't have been much yeah yeah because why would they do it at all if they felt like he could, you know what I mean? Like, why yeah. would they justify it at all if they were then like, well, he can he can go walk outside. They, would, they wouldn't have done it at all, right? 
So, God, that's horrendous. Mm-hmm. That's that to me is the worst of it. Those those conditions. I mean, it's all the worst of it. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, and that's and this in is... the and that's in the building that's falling apart too. Uh-huh. So it's not even like he has a clean facility that this is happening. Right, in. he's probably breathing in all kinds of stuff that is bad for him, and the building's falling down and. Uh, yeah. And this is uh before the uh legal term criminally insane existed because mm-hmm. as they were building the new building, they had to add a criminally insane wing. Well, um yeah. like legally, they had to add a criminally insane wing, um which is probably where someone like him would have been kept. Was he violent? You know, like that's that's where they would keep a lot of those patients. And also like what do they mean by violent, right? Like did he lash out one time and this was what they did to him? Who knows? You know? And it, we will never know if he if he could have been violent again or if that was the only time and then he was stuck like this for however many years like Mm -hmm. that it's heartbreaking yeah it's yeah it's rough it's awful just to think about the stuff we used to do to people Mm -hmm. and probably in some places still do probably yeah uh the parliamentary inquiry ended a lot of those practices and conditions well, because it was have at, to it was at the same time that they were moving into the new building and they had new conditions and they had to start enforcing you know better practices um i i couldn't find any specific reports but i'm sure some of those uh at least treatments continued on for several more years and i'm sure they still retra- restrained people just probably not as as aggressively um by the end of the 1800s, most of these practices are completely gone anyway, and, and patients are treated better by the time the 1800s end. You know, better's a relative term for, term for the 1800s, too, though. Cause, yes. Like, we're still, there's still such a specific stigma around mm-hmm. the mentally ill, so what do we mean by treated better? Not physically tortured? Okay. Yeah. Um, I I was reading somewhere that the, the doctor that took over in, 1888 this is a year of jack the ripper um was uh the guy that took over that year uh was like the transition into a a more medically sound practice so they Mm. like the the articles i was reading like there were certain people that like signified transitions of practice and he was like the the transition for for getting them into the 20th century and into Mm -hmm. those those types of um treatments at that point in 1930, the hospital is moved to the suburbs of Croydon, 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 Croydon. Uh, on the site of Monk's Orchard House between Eden Park, Beckingham, West Wickham, and Shirley. Uh, the old ha- hospital and its grounds are bought by Lord Rothermer and are presented to the London County Council for use as a park. Uh, the central part of that building was retained and became the Imperial War Museum in hmm. 1936. And it's still the Imperial War Museum. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So the Moorfield site, the really busted building, was torn down. And then the new building in uh, St. George's Fields uh-huh. uh, is now the Imperial War Museum. Oh, okay. So the hospital's on a new site now. 
1948, the hospital is absorbed into the National Health Service. So right. it Beth, Bethlehem Royal Hospital still exists, and it is now part of the National Health Service, and it's this building that's in Croydon. And that's how it exists yes. today. It still functions. It is a working hospital and like a normal good hospital. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. Um, yeah. I I originally was very interested in this because um, it the the old sites are very haunted, <laughs> as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, the site of the original hospital is now uh, Liverpool Street Station, mm-hmm. and it is very haunted. I know. I want to go there. I know. Because same. of that. Um, and uh, also which for a lot of other reasons. But. I learned about from one of Maureen Johnson's books. She right. has uh, this series that is, you know, the plot is a lot about ghosts, and in a portion of it, they go to Liverpool Street Station and the main character does a lot of research about Bedlam and that was what like the first thing that made me really interested in it um but yeah and and all of the former sites are are deeply haunted obviously um but also it's just like though I find the history of asylums and and mental institutions and the way that we treated people to be fast both fascinating and heartbreaking and like yeah well, I mean, why do you think we've been to the asylum in Western West Virginia? So many More times. Than once. I've gone. Um, I've only gone a couple times, but you've been several. Four times, I think. But I you think also live like 15 minutes away. Yeah. I, yes. So. I think I've been on four different tours. Um, and they have a, a museum there where it ta- there are like exhibits about lots of different treatments and and what the theory was and why they worked um, at at the current Bethlehem hospital, there is uh, a whole museum about the history of mental illness. They have an art gallery uh, of patients' yes. arts. That was showing up when I was searching for yes. the uh, and statues. Their website is really cool and interesting. It, it You can click on, there's a thing about patients and it has little like dossiers about lots of different patients and, and oh. like their histories and, and their treatments and what they were diagnosed with and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's kind of like uh, Weston in one of the um, tours where they had like the uh, pictures of like five different women or something that had at one point been there mm-hmm. and the reasons for them being there and they were all you know absurd like she got headaches or something yes. um, and it's like you know the reasons that we used to put people in these places were just especially women but you know anyone oh yes if you can uh you can google search this i just did because i was thinking about it they have this list yes of reasons for admission for women from 1864 to 1889 this is doesn't it hang on the door of the gift shop yes it does and you can buy a poster of it um this is this is at the trans allegheny leadership asylum not in bedlam but it has a list of all of the uh, the things that women were admitted for like religious enthusiasm is one of them but the the best thing about it is that it, it directly contradicts itself oh so t- it'll be like tons. it'll be like lays around all day and then like too active you know what i mean it's like two opposite things and it's like what do you want us to do uh-huh. like what do you want us to do <laughs> one of them just says the war 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'm just reading through them now. The war. Well, yeah, okay. Spinal sure. irritation. Like, you also, see a doctor you think, for that. Yeah, also, wouldn't you think the reason to admit people for the war would be more, you know, like, men who fought in it, who probably had PTSD, but no. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure many of the women did as well, but, like, wouldn't you think that would be a more common reason for admitting yeah. men yeah because they were the ones who like fought in that war and had ptsd and yeah right yeah it, just the things that they considered to be like mental defects or mental yes illnesses. that too yeah things things that to us today were like well there's a medical like epilepsy for exa- example there's a reason for that we know how it functions now there are medicines right. to treat it there's all that kind of stuff but to people back then people would just randomly have quote-unquote fits and people found that frightening, so they put they them in institutions. They interpreted it as psychopathy. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. They which put them not. in institutions. Yep. Yeah. And as someone who has a mental illness, like, reading through that stuff, it's like, oh my god, I would have been put in one of these places in a second. Yeah. Just for, like, existing. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that any of those treatments would have ever worked on me. Yeah. Right? Because I don't have a mental illness that can be, you know, treated with anything like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, none of it is, but <laughs> in general, for being anyway. honest, yeah. but uh, yeah. So I know this one was kind of a bummer. Uh, <laughs> apologies. Well, you know, we we included it in spooky season because they're so known to be very heavily haunted. And well, you know, yes. listen, listeners, I don't know if you all believe in ghosts, and honestly, I don't care. Um, <laughs> like this whole like back and forth about people believing in ghosts. I don't care. Here's my thoughts, right? Like, I do believe in an afterlife. That's just my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. And for me, if there is an afterlife, therefore, there can also be sort of planes of existence in that afterlife. And maybe sometimes you're fully in it and sometimes you're fully not. That's just how I feel. For me, I think it's just more fun to believe in ghosts than uh, to not believe in ghosts. Totally agree. I'm just saying it's plausible. Yes. Plausible in my mind because I believe in an afterlife. And also, I did get my hair pulled by a ghost at the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic yes. Asylum. That's just yes, it's a thing that happened to me. It I experienced it. So, um, But also, like, you know, the reason lots of horror movies are set in asylums and around asylums is because they were real-life horror stories. Like, the yes. things that occurred there were horrible. It was- and it's like... It's like theaters, right? Like, people say theaters are heavily haunted because emotions are running so high yes. and low very quickly there. So people who believe in hauntings will say, like, theaters tend to be haunted, haunted not necessarily because something terrible happened there, but because there are actors displaying all ranges of emotions all the time and it gets very intense and it's the same thing except those were real people who actually experienced those horrors yes and how can you not walk into a place like that and just feel that oh yeah it's whether heavy. you believe that there are like you know spirits there or not you just you can feel it when mm-hmm. you walk in like this is a place where something awful happened and i can feel the pain of those people yeah huh <sighs> unless you're not an empath which is possible but (laughs) but yeah that's bedlam i just have always found it really interesting um it's just it's the perfect little capsule of the history of the treatment of mental illness because it lasted for so long and it was the first facility specifically dedicated to treating mental illness in england 
um, which means it was the first in much of the world because England is old. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's I just find it fascinating. So there's Bedlam for you. Nicely done, Amanda. Thanks. Well, next month we're switching gears. So the next episode, we're not going to be doing spooky anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it's going to be, but, you know, we're nearing the holiday season. Maybe we'll try for some lighter stuff. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it'll still be heavy. Who's to Who's say? Who's to say? It really, um, <laughs> some days I talk about a bear who was a soldier. And sometimes <laughs> I spend an hour talking about the horrible treatment of people with mental illnesses who's to say yeah um so i don't know what i'm gonna be doing for the next episode but i will say be on the lookout folks because i guarantee i guarantee it next episode i'm gonna be fully on my christmas creep even though it's only november for sure i'm almost there already even though it's not even halloween yet i'm feeling it it's it's edging its way into my life so just be prepared for some of that um yeah and i don't know what the topic is gonna be even though it's my responsibility (laughs) because have you heard our podcast before this Uh is where we are Uh um i don't know what it's gonna be but We'll know soon. Um, And if you listeners have suggestions for other things you'd like to hear us talk about, or if you have questions or comments or anything of the sort, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at RTTPod. Um, Or on Facebook. Just look up the name and there we will be. Um, You can leave us ratings and reviews wherever you listen to this podcast. Please do that these um and if you want to find me on the internet i am at the real anna web and i'm at acw nerdfighter ah all right hopefully something lighter next time we'll see it is me so i tend to pick uh a lot of royals and that's always heavy so who knows who's to say but until that next time remember that time